Welcome to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. My guest on the program operates under the moniker Edia, which is the Greek term for the word cause. Edia is a brand new independent ambient musician that is off to a tremendous start with their two companion albums, Aina and Ain, both of which explore the concepts of the reversal of time, of which we'll hear a few tracks later on in the program. Our conversation explored their two debut companion releases, some of Edia's sources of inspiration, straddling the world of art and capitalism, authenticity of intent, and more. Let's dive right in, shall we? I present my conversation with Edia. Well, welcome to the program, Edia. It's great to have you here, and I'm really excited to dive in. We're, we're going to talk about some of your music and, and maybe dive into some of the f- uh, philosophies and things that drive us as human beings and as artists and creators. But hey, I'd like to get to know you first. Let's, let's get to know you. How did you get started into music? Hi, Michael. First of all, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very surprised to be talking about this project so soon. Uh, in fact, that it's brand new. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy to, to be here and be chatting with someone who loves uh, music and ambient music in general, more specifically. Um, well, if I can uh, uh, give you a little insight on my background, I, I started as probably most people in music. I started um, young with the classical piano. And um, I grew up in a kind of musical uh, house, although none of uh, both my parents are not musicians themselves, but we enjoy a lot of records, a lot of music, um, going to trips and listening to music. Um, I had an array of teachers, piano teachers uh, growing up um, playing Mozart and Bach and all these kind of things mm-hmm. as, a, as a young boy. And um, uh, at the same time, listening to Beatles and uh, progressive rock and Yes and Camel and all these bands. Um, and that was kind of, you know, that, that was the environment I, I was brought up in. And uh, growing up, then I later started um, digging into guitars and uh, kind of more rock music, more metal music, as most, most teenagers do, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Uh, that kind of rebellious, rebellious phase with um, heavier kind of music. Um, and then Going past that, um, I think I, I um, started going into more of the world of um, art, rock, and electronic and um, synthesizers. I was always interested in um, sound and how sound affects us and just the, the nature of sound and not just playing um, a piano or a guitar or some instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of was very fascinating to me. And so as I got into electronic music into my 20s and I got my first, you know, analog synthesizer and um, started kind of exploring these um, these areas, I, I found that I had an incredible um, growing love for um, electronic music, which I didn't I didn't believe I would because, you know, growing up into this kind of more rock classical metal sometimes world uh, electronic music was was pop music to me only and that was very a very big misconception i think and now electronic music is such a big part of of my life that um like i cannot imagine it without it um and so i think when i when i got my first synthesizer and started exploring sounds around that i i started um creating worlds that you know to me was just very powerful you could just do this with one device and open up this whole new palette of sounds 
Um, but I never, I never really um, got into like writing, um, if you will, ambient or electronic music on my own. It was just a thing that I did to relax or um, something to do that um, I was kind of doing in between breaks of playing guitar and playing actual songs. And it was a very fun kind of laid back thing for me. Mm. That's really cool. So were you, was this kind of like an act? I know a lot of musicians that I've talked to, at least during the pandemic, um, a lot of musicians who came into ambient music came into it because it was like a, an act of therapy for them, sort of, or a coping mm-hmm. mechanism to get through the, the absolute insane difficulty of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, what for you kind of was the impetus that kind of drove your curiosity into wanting to explore um, ambient music? Um, I would say it originates maybe before the pandemic um, because okay. I was after after a point of exploring certain bands or certain um, artists. I started having a growing interest on more extreme kind of music. And when I say extreme, I don't certainly mean heavy music, but um, music that is uh, pushed to the extreme. So, uh, for example, um, uh, I I would dive into maybe some um, avant-garde or some lowercase or some really uh, glitchy or, I guess, uh, intelligent dance music, as they call it, like Aphex Twin and those kind of um, artists, which to me, coming from my background, seem extreme. And so, mm. um, after after I got these um, sort of uh, artists to to look into, then I, I somehow got pushed into more um, more of the way of ambient music. And um, I can't I can't remember really the origin of that. I can't remember the first album I heard that was ambient music. But um, I it was certainly a point that. Um, you listen to an album of ambient music and it's there's something that calms you down it's something that um, possibly pushes you even to sleep sometimes you know mm-hmm. such heavy heavy sounds and heavy atmosphere that you just want to sit down and listen um, but I really cannot remember for the life of me what, yeah. what was the the starting point for that um, and I, I can tell you now I've been much more um heavily into it than I was uh, maybe before the pandemic, but um, I really can't remember what was the starting point. Yeah, I, that that was very similar experience for me too. And I came from a very guitar heavy background too. And there's, you're right, at least for me, it was kind of um, slipping into more, I don't know, I was looking for music that would, you know, help ease my brain a little bit, you know, calm me down mm-hmm. or, you know, deal with anxiety or whatever. And it's kind of like that, uh, the, the, of course, the famous quote from Brian Eno, you know, music that's so ignorable that it, but it's also <laughs> entirely fascinating at the same time. And perhaps that, <laughs> perhaps that explains in part why it's really difficult to pinpoint, you know, what were some of the first things that you heard? Because I, I can't remember either. I mean, I <laughs> I remember hearing Olafur Arnold's in the mix there, but I don't remember how I actually got uh, into yeah. ambient music as well. Um, so, when you're creating, um, what what typically is your motivation when you're when you're sitting down from the DAW? What motivates you to um, in the world of electronic music? 
Uh, that's that is a very good question, and I think my answer is going to be very long. But no, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, I always wanted to answer this kind of question. That's that's kind of the reason I originally agreed to to having this interview when I thought maybe I would just go um, unnoticed and anonymous. Well, I still am anonymous, but I'm still doing the interview. But anyway, uh, I digress. Um, basically, my motive is to please myself, and I think that is a very powerful um, motive to have if you have and very freeing too if there's no one to to um, kind of uh, put boundaries around your limits um, and you just please yourself you just make something that makes you happy and my motive is was always that I want to make something that is fulfilling to me and is um, makes me feel happy and joyous and so I've never had any intention of pleasing somebody else or um, there's there's this great quote actually by um, a musician that he he, he said um, an entertainer he makes music for other people but an artist makes music for himself to please himself I'm far from I'm, it's very pretentious to call your own self an artist I don't want to be you know uh, uh, calling my, myself that but I, I certainly I certainly like the idea of creating something to please you and it's a very selfish kind of act if you think about it mm -hmm. but once i do once you do that um i think it's like the paradox of having other or you want other people to enjoy it of course you do um you want other people to listen as many people as possible um but the actual motive is that um i want to make myself feel happy as i'm doing it after i'm doing it um, just listen back and get it out of my system. You know, a lot of musicians have this um, sensation that once they make a piece of music or an album or whatever it is, that they um, they please themselves and they enjoy it after. And then maybe they don't ever listen to it again. I don't know if that's the case for many artists. For me, it's not because I, I like to listen to it back. Um, yeah. But um, I think that's that's a very powerful uh, motive to have. And yeah, I think that answers your question pretty you're much. Right? You that's um, it is entirely liberating. That's I mean that's when I started out under the the moniker Stolas. It was under this exercise of trying to um, get out of the old models of how the music industry works. You know that mm. you have a preset path that this is the way that you go but you you are basically just you know middle finger to the system and this is for yep. me this is exactly. for me and it's not for anyone else and i like the the anonymity factor because it helps also remove the temptation to make it about your ego and about you exactly. as self. Thank you. <laughs> that, that is exactly right. And that, that is the reason I kind of get, I keep the project to myself. And just very, as I said, um, when we chatted before, um, before setting up the interview, I, I did not mention the project to anyone because I don't think I have any close friends that would enjoy the music, mm -hmm. like legitimately, you know. Uh, I, I don't want my close um, friends to to feel forced to say, oh, this is very nice, this yeah. is very good. I want people like yourself and other ambient fans to discover the music and be drawn in it because they like it, because they, they like the genre, they're into this kind of music. And then, um, of course, I don't want to to um, push anyone close to me to, to force them to listen to it it's a very long very very extreme kind of um, genre of music and i would never do that to um, to someone who doesn't like it and so yeah it, i don't this is not an ego thing it's an ego thing only when i'm creating the music but mm -hmm. not 
um, when I'm sharing the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> I have to say that you were the position that you're at right now is is I, I think a really really healthy one and. It's a perspective that I would I would love to see more of in the music industry because it's it's so ego driven everything all of oh, the music yeah. and look at me you know pay attention to me and ambient music is not that ambient mu- like I can't when I think of the library of music that I've accumulated for the program and we're up to like twenty five hundred tracks now. Oh my god uh, it's it's ridiculous you know we can't play and of course a lot of those tracks they're like seven ten fifteen twenty minutes yeah. oh yeah, yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing about ambient music that's so cool is it doesn't at least most of the stuff that i've heard it doesn't it doesn't um feel like it needs to clamor for your attention it is what it is. It's mm-hmm. an environment, and it's and to the degree of involvement that you want emotionally in that music is mm-hmm. entirely up to you. But they, it sets up this environment to create this imaginative playground in your head, a universe that didn't exist before. This for me, it's a common, quite common experience to when I'm listening to music and like i when i gave your albums uh your two releases a deep listen you know it it has a way of the imagination injecting itself into the composition so you become a participant with the music Mm -hmm. it's not a passive listening experience i agree yeah i've got a first track here that i want you to hear and this comes from eddie's brand new album ain which we're dubbing as the white album This is entitled DNA Ladder to the Stars, here on Ambient Discourses.
what sort of things really do you find yourself drawn to when you're when you're creating and you're in the in your headspace and you're experimenting with different things what what uh, are some of the things right now that are really fascinating you as far as music composition goes or recording techniques what are some of the things that are really kind of driving you or driving your curiosity um basically uh it's it's the reason that i created this project is that i enjoy um music that has been manipulated in some way to do with time and mm. um actually i'm very very interested in how um reversed um, music sounds like and how you can create something um one way that goes forward in time and then you can reverse that and kind of create this entirely new thing and that has been very fascinating to me since i was um very young and discovering all these kind of bands doing this with uh, reversed guitar solos and you know mm -hmm. um reversed vocals and hidden messages and things like that and it's something that perhaps to my knowledge i'm not sure um has not been done um with uh, more atmospheric and more ambient music and so when i when i am recording something i'm always um have i have in the back of my head that i would um reverse this and then see what it sounds like mm -hmm. and perhaps perhaps that would invoke something evoke something completely new um and it's that, that that kind of time element i find very very fascinating and we can we can talk about perhaps later some something that is um the inspiration behind this project is basically the manipulation of time and how music falls within that category and what mm -hmm. can happen with that yeah yeah it's i've played around with that a bit too it is really interesting how it can suddenly change the tone and the timbre and just the overall even vibe when you flip something around and you suddenly mm -hmm. reverse it let's let's talk about your your music so you've got two albums right now and help me out with it are these tip do you would you if you were to pronounce these were you would you pronounce these as acronyms or were you pronounce these as uh words like a, there's uh, a n e and e n a um, I would pronounce these as words, and okay. um, the, the reason why I um, pick those words is because they both mean one, oh. and um, in different languages, in fact, um, "ana" means one in Greek, okay. and I think it's pronounced "ain," but I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, I call it "ain" myself. It's I think in Gaelic, um, okay. or it, they both mean one. And um, I think it was a, a perfect kind of starting point to to name those albums that have no, you know, there's no lyrics, there's no, there is a concept, but there's nothing to describe them you know in words and so um given that given that these are my um first two releases i think they it's very fitting that they both be named one in some way at least yeah that's really cool what are some of the other ideas that or what are some of the when you were creating uh <laughs> I'm gonna really struggle with this now, uh, Anna. <laughs> uh, Anna, Anna, the, the Black Album. Yeah, yes. so the Black Album. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, when you were creating Anna, um, what were some of the, the the ideas that you were toying with at the time? Um, to to answer that question, I really have to to tell you um, why I started. Um, writing this kind of music in the first place and um, the answer to that is that 
um, I wanted to basically I, I had had this this entire set of gear like a synth um, some plugins on my computer and I I didn't know what to do with them you know I I started playing around with them and maybe I would get something interesting for 10 10 minutes and then play around with that and then I'm done and it's nothing it not, nothing happened you know I just had some fun for 10 minutes maybe half an hour maybe an hour yeah. with that uh, with that synthesizer and then nothing happened and so I really wanted to store this kind of fun playtime somewhere you know and I, I think an album is a way to store your ideas, if you will. Um, uh, I really think it's it's a way to um, bring out something that, um, as for example, as I play with um, with these kind of uh, gear and ideas on my gear and on my plugins, uh, I find that you know uh, when when you create something like that, um, it's it's really fun to. It's really fun to play around with with your gear, and I think this is kind of a um, I'm not sure what how to describe it, but um, basically to uh, get the most the most out of each uh, piece of gear that I have. And it or- originally started as something fun, like something that has no concept, no meaning, but just to get your synthesizer sounding like wow, this is crazy, like creating a new world. Um, with with this patch or this other patch, and uh, the same th- thing goes with um, uh, your um, computer plugins and things like that. But uh, once I started creating music for for this project, um, I not just write music without a concept, something tying everything together. Even though it started that way, that it's something that would that would be fun for me, and it's simply no project. And so I wrote, I kind of started and wrote maybe um, seven or eight like tracks like that. Um, but there was nothing really tying them together, and so I thought, what what you know fascinates me, and and, and how how can I bring this some these songs together that that are meaningful to me, and I think that that's all that matters when you're starting out with a, with a project, something that is meaningful to you. Um, and so um, I really have gotten far from the question now, but uh, I, I would like to to also address something else that. When I, um, of course, I told you I grew up in a guitar different background and I'm, I'm in, uh, I've been in, in these kind of bands when I was growing up and I'm also in another band um, right now. And I had an idea for this band, um, which was basically to write a song and then in the middle, I would stop the song and reverse it. Mm. And then the song would go on reversed. Uh, for the for the duration for the, for the next half, and not just the um, the guitars and the drums and everything that would go on normally. No, the entire sound itself is reversed. Oh wow! And that when I, when I pitched that to the other of them to the rest of the band, it was uh, I got some mixed uh, <laughs> mixed feelings about that, you know, because it's very very hard to pull it off if it's at all possible, you know, with with a singer and drum sounding all weird and words sounding all weird, yeah. um, and it was something that would be very cinematic if we ever did that with with the band, and that was this kind of. Um, thing that was on the back of my mind after seeing the movie Tenet, which uh, is a Christopher Nolan film, and he also enjoys playing around with time. Um, basically, after after I came up with that um, idea, I thought, well, this is this is there's no way you can pull that off in the band, and so I left it behind until now, when I thought, wow, 
this concept really fits with ambient music, doesn't it? Because ambient music is all about sound and sound on its own reversed without any kind of vocals or drums, like, you know, uh, uh, having this uh, kind of uh, kick and snare element in the music. It really, really could be something. And so these eight songs that I wrote, I decided to split them in two albums and then having them reversed for the second half of each album. Mm. And so that is why both um, the the albums have uh, that name, which is also reversible on its own if you if you think about it. Yeah. Um, Anna and Ain are, are, are palindromes of each other. Yep. Um, and that is sort of the, the tying together the, the grand concept behind behind this project that I wanted to. Um, it really fascinated me in uh, that, that sort of idea that you can you can take a song and reverse it and and it's really it really tied together the entire concept and it's not just me then writing these songs and simply reversing reversing them and that's it that's just a fun wow okay no big deal but um i really added reversed um things on the normal side of the tracks and also when you reverse these the normal side sounds reversed and those things sound normal mm, yeah and it's kind of it's i know it's it, it can sound very weird and you know uh maybe it's it's nothing maybe it's not it's nothing too too exciting for for somebody else to listen it's, it's not the point of the project wow this is a reversed album but it is the inspiration and the kind of the grander concepts of right. of, of time you know i'd like to play around with time and so um I think that's that's what really tied the 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 process for for these two albums, and so that's why I I call them my debut albums. It's really just one album, but I I, I like to split them up and in, yeah. in, into two worlds. And I think that pretty. I'm not sure if I answered your original question. You did, I really dude, kind of that, got that, off track there. <laughs> that is really creative. I really. I really love those little small details that people put into their music that most might not pick up on, but the minute you make some sort of reference somewhere, it it kind of gives you a little bit more of a context into the thought process or the creativity or the genius behind what someone's doing with their music and adding these little unique flavors like I'd, mm -hmm. I'd explored the reversed kinds concept once before. I had a composition where um, I determined in advance what the the overall chord progression was going to be, what like some of the melodic stuff would be, and then oh, what did I do? I I had first like so it was a piano composition, but so I took one, played the. The, so it was the music itself was also this kind of uh, palindrome where it was like it was mirrored in itself but you, so played it you know backward and for recorded it both backward and forward and then took both of those recordings and flipped them and it really just adds kind of this strange dimension to it that's fascinating and I love it when other people do that with their music and not just the reversal stuff but the finer details and the points that that it just makes it entirely interesting and to you can get a greater sense of the exploration of sound mm -hmm. and it's just i don't know i love it so 
<laughs> I'm a I'm a sucker for that, and I, and the little details too of the 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 reversal of the names too. That's that was that's brilliant. That's really brilliant. <laughs> it's it's really a, not not a gimmick, but it's it's not the the central point. Even the name right. Etia is is a palindrome on its own. Um, uh, not phonetically because it doesn't sound the same if you say it backwards. But the letters themselves, they 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 rearrange themselves yeah. in kind of in the same way. And it's also um, uh, the meaning of that word that um, I find I find very poetic. And uh, basically, it means um, reason or cause mm. in in Greek. And that is the um, kind of the reason for my own. Uh, discovering and uh, and the reason as to why I'm doing this, and I think that is a, a very good name, perfect name to yeah. to encapsulate um, this kind of project. And it might amount to to nothing, but I, I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to um, to discover what the reason for me doing this is. And I'm really not sure myself if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> well, I I don't think that there is. I mean, there doesn't necessarily even have to be a reason for behind things and things can just exist as they are and it's um yeah i'm really warming up to this idea of music as not just a snap not just a snapshot in time like a photograph like a representation of something that happened um but i'm coming around to this idea that music is like a living entity and that it's it's kind of it's a little bit of hubris to think that we own music um the music that we create i think um because the minute that those frequencies are captured in some sort of digital format and it leaves the universe <laughs> <laughs> of your little tiny world of music production and then it ends up in someone else's listening space it's who knows what's going to happen in that space and you know someone might passively be listening they might be working and it's just something to kind of soothe their brain or they might actually be deeply listening to it in some sort of maybe even a meditative experience for them and they're able to inject their own personality, their own history, their um, into the music, and it becomes it's um, a further deviation from the original. It just becomes someone else's creativity, like because. And and how I got to this point of view is really that. Um, that underneath it all were all just this collection of atomic particles <laughs> quark particles all the weird little things that are all it's just like energy and electricity just running through us and music is just the same way so it's almost like this facsimile or this carbon copy of our interaction with the universe and, and now it just has its own lifespan um, mm -hmm. not remotely, you know, sort of tied into who we are, but really on its own. I don't know. It's probably a little yeah, bit no, on, I, on the deep end. I but. understand that. 
<laughs> I understand. No, no, I like these these kind of points, and I agree that music once once it's out there, it's hardly your own because everyone has his own or her own point, um, and they they grew up differently. They have different influences. They grew up in different environment, and the time they listen to the music also plays a huge role um, as to what kind of emotions it will evoke. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that it's it's not it's not your own. Once it's out there, it's out there, and it's it's whoever listens to it that you know brings their own kind of little piece to the more kind of grander puzzle of um, of the piece or, or the album or whatever it is. Enjoying the podcast? Become a monthly sustainer today at stolas.com/support. Your modest monthly contribution helps enable me to improve the programming, reach a wider audience, and provide you with quality ambient content. Please become a monthly sustainer today at any amount. Visit stolas.com slash support. All right, I've got another track here, and this comes from Edia's other album, Aina, which we've dubbed as the Black Album. This track is entitled Supersymmetry, here on Ambient Discourses.
what were some of your influences that um, have kind of helped introduce different ideas or different concepts or approaches to music creation? What 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 were some of the, like maybe some of the artists or albums or mm-hmm. other things that you experience in life that you, that have been huge uh, sources of inspiration for you? Um, wow. Uh generally it's music and film i'd say film plays a huge role Mm. in inspiration because it's it's something outside of music it can be a concept it can be an actor it can be an idea that you know is performed excellently and then maybe that that sparks some emotions to you but to be more specific um i really enjoy uh, uh films that have to do with um time and time travel and time manipulation and i uh, i don't mean movies like you know back to the future or things like that <laughs> um the the more obvious kind of uh movie that comes up to mind is interstellar or um the, as i mentioned before the movie tenet which which deals with um reverse time which is a concept hardly touched in the movie world i think mm. um if if I don't know if you I'm not familiar if you've if seen that movie seen or it. yeah. um, well it's it's a it's certainly a thrilling thrilling cinematic experience uh, even even if you don't really understand what happens I still don't understand what happened after watching it three or four times <laughs> um, but it basically to give you an, an idea it um, deals with um, the concept of reverse entropy and to quickly explain this without with sounding as least pretentious as I can possibly be that. Entropy, this kind of measurement in the universe of randomness and um, disorder, basically. So as we go into the future, entropy can increase, only increase. It can never decrease. If it were to decrease, then we would go towards the Big Bang. We would go backwards in time. And so um, if you were to be in an environment somehow that uh, uh, entropy is being uh, getting smaller every every day, um, you would experience time backwards. Uh, you would experience a, sh- a shattering of glasses um, and on the floor of glass pieces getting picked up on their own and just being back on the table and then the glass would form 100% as it was before. It dropped, you know, things like that that are very weird to think about. But the movie certainly explores that concept in, in great detail and it's also an action movie. And so you can imagine what kind of things would happen. There's bullets that fly from the wall that get back to the gun. You know, yeah. there's there's cars. There are cars that go backwards, and there are cars that go forwards at the same time. And there's a chase happening, and uh, people got excited with the effects, the cinematic effects. Um, obviously, they're something out of this world and completely new. But I got excited by the concept. Um, if you haven't figured it out already, and the concept is what um, brought this project to life and surprisingly has nothing to do with music mm. it has nothing to do with film even it's just a concept from physics yeah and i'm also a big fan of physics like a well not in a technical but in, in a more um fun kind of way i'd like to explore like an enthusiast yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Certain, certain concepts and i think that film was was point zero for for inspiration mm. um for this project and then Films like uh, maybe if you've seen the movie Arrival, mm-hmm. with uh, with the aliens and the the kind of uh, uh, cyclic cyclic um, 
manipulation of time, which is also something that I find very, very interesting. You know, the sort of idea that once the once the universe ends, there will be another one, or um, the uh, you know before the Big Bang, there was another universe, um, and sort of this kind of uh, oscillation between point zero and then the just massive expansion of the universe and back to point zero again is very. Uh, fascinating to me yeah. um yeah. and and the world of film that explores these concepts is hugely hugely powerful um to me and it just speaks to me for some for whatever reason it speaks to me um, on a spiritual level yeah well it 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 shakes up what we've accepted as just no the norm you know we accept time as this thing that just keeps moving and moving and moving and when when really i think i don't know for for me i've been i've been absorbed by some of these but i've been absorbing these different ideas from mystics and philosophers about time and just how much of an illusion it, it really is like the illusion that there's a past the illusion that there's a future and it's all just this continual motion of movement in the present and then to take that idea and flip it around <laughs> flip it around as reversal that's crazy but that's that i love that stuff i'm a, i'm a sucker for that that sort of stuff there's um there's a um who was it there was one mystic that i watched a lecture of his and he brought up the idea of now i struggle with like reincarnation that's one idea that i, I really struggle with but <laughs> he but he s rephrased it in such a way with different language and he was like all right think about your death you you when you die we presume that there is nothingness you know, you 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 go from somethingness. I'm in this meat casing with a pink meat computer telling me what to think, what to do, and I die, and that's it. And but in then then he flipped around. It's like, well, what about your birth? That birth came from nothingness. <laughs> so, and the the idea that well, if your birth came, if you came out of nothingness in your birth, and you leave into nothingness, it's pretty you could presume that it might be possible then that at some point you spontaneously exist in some other i don't know other entity some other form some other, form, some other energy who knows and it could be in reverse <laughs> <laughs> hope not <laughs> yeah but who knows that is, that is powerful to think about yeah i've never thought of it that way that you know you sort of emerge from nothing and you go into nothing and yeah. that can be one and the same kind it's a good metaphor for that i think is the 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 world of mycelium and mushrooms <laughs> um because the 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 root of all energy and existence in that world is the mycelium so it's there it's a communication network it's sharing resources it's you know everything from sharing moisture and uh sustenance to whatever it's even communicating like if there's pests mycelium will withdraw from certain bacterias and and but then you get these temporary little fruiting bodies of mushrooms and that's i kind of 
liken that to the human the human casing that we are just this temporary existence this brief expression of the universe and then boop back down to the grow and then mushrooms <laughs> are actually then consumed by the the mycelium and then redistribute those resources back through the network it's really really fascinating to me um <laughs> but i digress uh let's 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 <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> the, you know these conversations beyond music and, and whatever it is it they're very fascinating very engaging and so you can digress as much as you want <laughs> and i feel like i can do the same <laughs> yeah absolutely there's there's no rules here where anyone who the minute someone comes up with a rule i'm gonna end up breaking it anyway so um <laughs> So let's let's explore the idea of um, so you you've intentionally gone this route of kind of steering away from the ego. You're you're choosing anonymity. This is um, a self-expression for you. This is for when you see other artists out there that are. Um, trying to play the game what if if you could get someone else to pause and see a different perspective how would you communicate to them um this idea of an egoless um musical expression as an artist what and i don't know if that made any sense at all it, it sort of <laughs> made sense in my head but um but if you were to try and help another musician see life without the ego or music without the ego what what would you convey to them what would how would you communicate that mm -hmm. what that looks like it's very hard to have music without the ego i'm not sure that i i'm even doing it with with this anonymity it certainly feels like it that i'm you know detached from the from the idea that I'm doing this to to get attention or, or whatever it is, but um, if I were to pitch it, if you will, to someone, to another musician, I would t I would tell them that it's much more liberating than than creating something that people know that you created it in a way. They sort of expect you to create a certain type of music um, before you've even created it. I mean. Uh, and it's uh, by, by by how you look, how you look, your your the first impression of people seeing you, um, they sort of expect, oh, this is a metal musician, or this is a rock musician, or you know, this is an, or an indie musician, or whatever it is. Um, I I would sell it like I would tell them this that it's very liberating, very freeing. Um, you can have a lot more fun, I think, with it, which is also a big factor. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that you know it's not supposed to sound anyway it's supposed to sound in a way that pleases you and and that's it you know that is that is the only rule please yourself and uh, i think that is the most powerful um thing you can have as a musician i hope i hope i certainly hope um people with you know without anonymity have it but i'm not so sure it's it's even possible after a point um i'm not sure what you think about this <laughs> hmm. do you do you find that you've got so you you've you've mentioned that it's liberating and it's there's a lot of freedom do you do you find yourself still beholden to have to create a certain type of sound or do you do you feel completely liberated from that 
well now that you've well i've put out these two albums it would be very um, very funny if i were just somehow to uh, you know produce something that sounds nothing like them um and which is uh, a paradox i guess in a way because now people that find out about the project you know want to see more of this you know right. and so I, i already limited myself into into this world of of um of ambient music but i and at the same time there's really no limit to ambient music i mean you can do what what you want and mm -hmm. um I, i'm not sure if people expect things from an ambient musician to go a certain way maybe they like to be surprised uh, down the road the, the ambient music is generally very new to me and so I'm, i'm just kind of going into the um community and the fan bases now and i really don't know what what to think and how do fans behave with with artists that play this kind of music um i certainly would like to think that each each artist on their own has this sort of evolution and this sort of path going forward um or backwards <laughs> in, this, in this case no um but you know there's something that makes the second album not better than the first but um more evolved than the first mm -hmm. um and this this is sort of going in hand to hand with how you're growing as a person how yeah. how you evolve as a person and um i think yeah uh that is that is what um what i think about this this sort of concept of evolution and expecting uh, and expectations yeah. um but certainly it would be very funny if if i just came up with something that sounds you know <laughs> uh, like an electronic dance music record that, that nothing to do with that yeah uh, <laughs> there's there's certainly a box you know you're certainly in the, in, a, in a sort of world once you create something Yeah. Um, I was I was not in that box before writing the first note. You know, I could I, I would say, wow, I'm creating this project. What does this? What would it sound like? That is the only time that I had no limitations. It could sound like anything. But now that these things are out there, it, it has to sound a little close, just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that the irony? You you go into yeah. this with sort of anonymity, and you're trying to kind of just please yourself. You're exploring. And the minute the universe, the, the minute that you've created this, like, all right, this is your identity now. You've created a model for other people for your to view of, of yourself. That's and it, that's a head if trip. People like it, yeah, 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 exactly. If people end up liking it, um, it's hard to divert from that. You have to create yeah. more of this. You know, people love people love these things. If you've come to enjoy the conversations on ambient discourses, stay connected and don't miss a beat. Sign up on the mailing list at stolas.com slash relaystation. You'll receive monthly updates, commentary on new releases, and free music downloads. Sign up today at stolas.com slash relaystation. All right, I've got another great track, and this comes from Edia's album, Ain, and this is entitled Negentropy, here on Ambient Discourses.
But it, that that's the thing, the, the motivation behind this, and uh, I find a lot of other music, um, ambient music are creators, is that you're not doing this to, to get, you know, views or sales or streams or whatever right. it is. Uh, you're far, we're far from that, and especially me, I'm far from that. I just want to create, and that that is something that I found is not always the case with um, uh, bands or people in the in the music industry. You cannot just create; you also have to promote. You have to play live. You have to do all these things, uh, marketing. You have to talk to people, um, you know, that are, are are nothing to do with the music itself, but it's a sort of it's a given that you have to do these things if you want to be in the music industry. And I'm not sure if I want to be that, that person, you know, working in the music industry because I want to create. And I don't think the music industry is a entirely an industry based on creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's the product. It's a product. The creation is the product. But, you know, it's not... Um, it's not the central theme of the industry itself. Right. Well, for sure. And I think that the the industry has changed so much that really now it's entirely about money. Um, the, the record labels themselves have, you know, as far as my understanding, basically investing themselves in Spotify and, and getting uh-huh. into the... The money game of well we just take all this money and we invest it and we're going to make more money and it's really you know the 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 music is just the product like you're saying it's just a commodity whereas you know art music as art is an an, an entirely different mindset uh, it's funny how the two worlds can bleed so closely together but mm-hmm. the motive they're so far apart. I, it's yeah. so crazy to me. Um, how, and I, and I've yet to really understand how someone can, you, like, I think you really have to be collected as a person, as an artist to be able to truly create your own amazing art. And yet it's deeply mixed and integrated with the business of music. And I I don't understand (laughs) how one can easily traverse those two spaces because it it just like like one thing one person I think about like I think about Tom York. Oh, Radiohead. I would would say Radiohead. You know, (laughs) Radiohead is for me this classic. They they that's for, to me what successfully navigating the art world and the business side of music looks like. You know, it's there's constant tension there, constant because you have the rabid fan base that has an expectation of what you need to uphold, mm-hmm. and you're tr- you know with the different documentaries and interviews I've seen with Tom and the rest of the individuals in the band that there's just like this constantly fighting the system, you know, like, (laughs) you know, yeah, we don't want to play everything just like our first album. You know, we, we want to venture out or, you know, stick our thumb in, you know, what we used to do. And we, we just want to keep, staying fresh and it responding mm-hmm. to current stimulus or current things that are going on and, or, 
whatever. How? What do you? Yeah, what, I, what I do you agree think? with that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I would say that you know, Radiohead is the the maybe the first example that popped into my head, and that's, I'm delighted that you brought it up because I really wanted to talk about it. Um, yeah, that they kind of traverse and the, the they found the balance between the business and the art, and maybe not not a lot of um, artists have done that, and musicians and more specific have done that. Uh, um, they've, they've managed to do it and also stay at the center of the mainstream. You know, people still talk about of, about this band, and they they did they reinvented um, themselves and the, right in the center of the mainstream. And I think that is a beyond comprehensible, difficult, obsessively difficult um, thing to to pull off. And I'm not sure if uh, you can you can name another another one that has has done it in such a scale. And there are certainly other bands out there, but um, it's a very hard thing to pull off. Right to to balance this kind of um, business and art right in the center of, of the mainstream and while people have while you have the attention of, of, the, of the people yeah and and as you evolve I don't know how they do it because as they evolve people just stay right with them <laughs> and, you know obviously there's going to be some that you know they're like well this isn't this isn't my you know they're holding on to a glory moment from the 90s you know <laughs> Maybe part of it is lesser concerned about the ego, their presentation, their image, and really just um, faithfully just churning out whatever they're, whatever is really speaking to them at the time. I don't know how yeah. we're, we're still following along with them, you know, and how they haven't lost so many people. But, I mean, because that's... I'm trying to think of, like, some other artists that have tried to do that but have not been nearly as successful maybe a good example of someone who's been who's played it safe um in their evolution like i would think about like you two they oh yeah they yeah. they they're much different you know they they're kind of like I don't know. I don't want to make anyone upset, but they're kind of like, <laughs> it's almost like pseudo art. It's like uh, accessible art that you would go buy at a store. Um, you know, it's reasonably sensible. There is some evolution to it, but it's really safe. Whereas I think yeah. Tom is really done some stuff that's really out there, I think. Like I think about, uh, he's got that. I don't know if you have you seen. Um, it's like an eleven-minute music video that Tom put out on Netflix. Um, oh yeah, for Anima, his his album oh, Anima or what, what's God, it called? It's so good and so interesting and very different, very avant-garde in a, in a way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He, he if if he wanted to please people in the nineties, he would just create it. Okay, computer too. You know, he would he would go on to become the next U two, but he he instead just what what I mentioned before. He he was not interested in that, and so he tried to please himself. What what was interesting to him, and so they created Kid A. You know, mm -hmm. the, the most famous left turn in the history of music. You know, yeah. the people are expecting this sort of grand um, stadium rock band to make another album like that, and then they they make this minimal electronic glitch glitchy album, yep. which um, nobody was expecting that. And that that to me is just peak peak artistry. You know, 
Yeah. Yeah, always leave them guessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what kind of musical projects do you do you have um coming up on the horizon for you? Um well, after I I put these two albums out there expecting really um no response, <laughs> it was just my own thing. I start immediately started creating something else, but um I sort of feel like I've done this reverse thing that I wanted to do. I've sort of got that out of my system and yeah. explored that. Maybe not 100%, maybe there's well, going to be hints on the next ones, but sure. I I really try to find, um, I'm trying to find concepts that would fit in with the music I'm creating right now. And I'm really not sure where, where I'm going to be pushing things and which direction am I going to. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to to find this uh, the next concept, I guess, and it's definitely it's going to do with it's having to do with time, and I'm I'm uh, trying to you know uh, manipulate the things I create. It could be just one note, you know, a one note with one texture that goes on for <laughs> for eight minutes, but I'm trying to manipulate that in a way that it will sound way different. For example. Um, maybe increasing the tempo from one to whatever what's the upper limit to the on my on the doll, you know, and trying to see what that would create, and then mm. it would create an entirely new space, and perhaps I would, you know, that would be inspiration. But as to the exact kind of um, direction, I'm I'm not sure myself. Yeah. Uh, I'm certainly exploring all these different different um, uh, ways. Um, also. Um, I'm trying to find, you know, ways to promote, I guess, if you will. Uh, I don't know if you can promote ambient music in, in, in an audience or what, how you would go about it, but I certainly want people to be reached and, and get some sort of um, feedback, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. from people that enjoy this music, which up till now, only I know about it and only I find enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I started pitching to people like yourself and other um, uh, enthusiasts and fans of the, of the genre and um, I'm still not not done with that I think completely so yeah. in a way the, the way the future I guess uh, what what holds for me is um, trying to get the project a little more um, more known and a little more to you know um, to the right ears if you will mm -hmm. to the ears that are interested in well I'm really glad that you took the initiative and you sent the music my way it's I really I think you sent uh, Anna uh, first, and I really, really enjoyed it. I really loved the sonic space that you created. There was this kind of, um, in the midst of kind of the slow burn of the drone and the slow evolution, there's just this kind of, um, like, like one of the tracks had this kind of, it felt like, a Casio drum loop or something, but it was oh, warm, yeah, it was and yeah. it 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 kind of had this warm analog tape feel to it, and it was just, I it was such a cool juxtaposition of textures and sounds, and I found it fan just super enjoyable to listen to. Um. And easy for one to inject their own imagination into it, where it's not, you know, some some tunes can be pretty, boom, this is what it is, and doesn't leave you much 
space as the the end listener to to the music but i think yours gives nice healthy space for contemplation for using your imagination for or even just meditation and drifting off and listening and kind of being mm-hmm. lulled into a, a sense of i don't know being or existence and that's that's what your music was like for me it was just this great amalgamation of textures and just a really really cool vibe i enjoyed it very much so and thank you that that means it means a lot to, to hear somebody you know appreciating this and yeah i don't want to interrupt what were you going to say oh i was just saying it's and it's my it's my honor to be able to share it on the program and to kind of help participate in in you know helping make other people aware of the music it's it's really it is really cool stuff and i i look forward to hearing more from you and what what out of the sorts of things you're going to explore because to me when people start getting into and i hate using the word purity when with (laughs) art because it's it's i gotta I, i really have to spend some time coming up with a better uh, a better adjective or better descriptive but um it seems more when when people create from a space that there's a great deal of authenticity and the motives are or, or maybe the the intent is established and the intent is not about self-glorification or it's not a selfish intent but it's just a a an innocent explore exploratory type of intent i think you can pick up on that when you're listening to people's music you know when they're you can hear at least i can you can kind of pick up on when people become self-serving or they're serve you know kind of fallen into some of the common traps that we set up for ourselves as musicians but but when someone is just simply exploring concepts or ideas that i i can pick up on that more you know and it makes for me the music more um maybe authentic yeah yeah it feels more authentic it doesn't feel like someone's you know all right here's what it feels like so when someone it's it's like the difference between being on location for like a film versus creating a set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so you create the set, everything's artificial. It looks great. It looks great on film. It comes great across on, you know, in vinyl or whatever medium. But it still feels just a little bit artificial. And but there's something else when you know you get something that's as even stripped down as like someone exploring with tape loops and environmental recordings and injecting in some sort of unique melodic component to it that's that yeah it has a much different feel about it, it I think yeah yeah I agree but there's there's some instances where maybe a set would look better than on location <laughs> but I, I get i get what you're saying i get the analogy all right i've got one last track here and i think you're gonna love this one i love this track 
This is entitled Positrons, and it appears on Idea's black album, Aina, here on Ambient Discourses.
One of the things I like to um, ask musicians, and, and maybe we'll use this just, just to kind of round up the interview, I, I like to offer people the, sp- the space to kind of share some of their own thoughts or advice. Like, I think about musicians that are starting out or musicians that are floundering about trying to figure out who they are or what their sound is or where to go with their music from your own experiences as you've explored explored the the authenticity you know creating art with authenticity what would would be like a one or two bits of advice that have been really important for you or have been a mainstay for you that you really think that other musicians would do well to pick up on um i should i should be you know i should be the one taking advice instead of giving because <laughs> i'm the one starting <laughs> i'm the one starting now uh but the one thing that, that has stuck with me might i might be repeating myself here but the one thing that has stuck with me is that the artist creates music for his for himself and i think that is the most powerful thing you know you cannot go wrong if your motive is that i think and people certainly can pick up like you said you can you can pick up on that and when someone is being uh, authentic and when someone is being uh, trying to feed maybe a past of the uh, you know glory of the past or uh, trying to find out what people are currently into and then making more of that i think people can can find that um they see right through that uh, now and so the one thing that certainly drives me is myself and you know listen to what you like listen to um uh what pleases you and this this goes beyond the the music as well and it goes into other forms of of the of whatever project you're working on it can be you know the album cover it can be your name it can be the way you um approach people and promote the music it's just whatever is nice and not nice or whatever is appealing to you um whatever somebody proposes to you and you know your gut instantly um uh, uh you know you get this this feeling that this is wrong you know you just know you, you don't know why but you just know that it's not maybe the best um the best idea so for me uh, one piece of advice would be to yeah listen to your to yourself and listen to your gut. It, could, it can sound a little bit cliche at this point, but you understand well, the the intent behind it, you know. Yeah, and I think it's okay to repeat yourself. I think I think that's that's part of reinforcing ideas that are important to ourselves or ideas that we're working on, working on trying to implement into our life. And sometimes you have to kind of metaphorically speaking beat a dead horse <laughs> until it really sinks in that yeah you're, you're right um there and like you said it's it, it is entirely liberating when you're creating for reasons for self gratification or to to grow as an artist to to grow as a human being and to explore music as just authentic expression and not you know trying to trying to keep that ego in check i think you know (laughs) it's it's i think our default programming we we love to place too much energy into that ego and i i think 
I th- and actually, here's the thing that I think that makes where I think ambient music and cursory genres have a unique opportunity with, with like you, if you spend any amount of time out on Instagram watching people's reels and or on TikTok or whatever, it's just it's this cacophony of ego. <laughs> It's just that's like, a good name for an album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go ahead, you can have it. Um, it it's it and it gets exhausting. Like, uh, so oh, many, yeah. so many opinions, so many different ideas, so many different. You know, it's it's it almost becomes like a pressure release valve to mm-hmm. put on like an album from like one of your albums like Ane and and just you know let the ego dissolve kind of just mm-hmm. find yourself in the in and you know create your own universe create your own imaginary imaginative space and you know if you want to make it a meditative experience like like I typically do great or if it's just something to buy the time wonderful but um I don't know Man, I, I just, I really like what you're creating, and I know you're just getting started out, but where where you're starting out, though, is like a place I feel like, man, I wish I would have had um, that starting point for me years and years and years ago. Um, less concerned about the ego and about what other people are going to think about the music and less concerned about... Yeah sales and stats and things like that because i think we get way too sucked up into that it's way too distracting i think yeah yeah i agree and uh i'm not sure if many people in ambient music have this this mindset um of of sales because you know the most famous ambient musician is still far from from the mainstream and i'm not sure if if people that work in this sort of area of music are having this in mind because if you say if you think if you say to yourself, I will start a, an ambient project, um, what are really your aspirations in terms of fame? I mean, you're, you don't want to be famous if you're starting out with an ambient project. Yeah. You just want to create music. I think that's, that's how, I, at least how I view it, you know? Who's the most famous ambient musician? Probably Brian Eno, right? Right. He's still, he's not that known into in the outside world. Um, I mean, you know, the mainstream world. And so um, it, this, is, this is what I think that if you if you are a musician that wants to create this kind this type of music i don't think you're a musician that say that chases sales or chases streams mm-hmm. um which is more in the way that i can say for rock or metal music which is yeah. it feels maybe the opposite or you know bands you know people that are into going into bands uh, it shouldn't be that way um and there are certainly a lot of people that do this and, and other types of music for for their own for for you know to explore ideas of their own and not for sales and yeah i think that's the most again using the word pure <laughs> purest sense of, <laughs> of 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 the being you know a musician being a creator yeah 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 it's a it's a real challenge keeping that ego in check and finding balance i don't know i i think you you're on a very good trajectory and i'm really excited to hear more of what you have to create because you've you had some really good ideas in your first two albums and i'm really excited to 
um, hear more more from you and to see where your evolutionary process takes you because it's it's been unique for everyone everyone's everyone that I've talked to is it's has they've just got such interesting perspectives and and have these paths that they take musically that that I'll never get to take because my own path is my own path. It's only, it's it's unique, but to go through and, you know, get a chance to really get a deeper dive with musicians like yourself and who are just, they're just in it to make art or to make them feel better about themselves or to as therapy, the list is endless of what motivate people in this, but, I, I really applaud your authenticity and what you've created so far and just want to encourage you to keep at it. It's, it's really good. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, that means a lot. I did not expect um, these sort of comments that, that early, you know, from um, just basically an unknown project and hearing this is very, very meaningful to me. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And it's, and it's I think when you... I think it's one metaphor that I that I've used, and I've used this before with one other musician. Um, when I was talking with Yannick Mirko, um, he's uh, Puerto Rican descent. He's actually um, very diverse. He's a in music theater. He's a writer. He's a uh, advocate f- uh, for. Uh, persons with rare disease, and he's just got a just very prolific expressions, but. One of the things we were kind of talking about is this this whole thing of when we're just an unknown name and we're putting these expressions out into the world. Uh, the mm-hmm. metaphor that I've really settled in on that that really resonates with me for musicians like ourselves who who are pretty obscure. You know, we don't we have a very small fan bases. And I really don't like the word fan base, but yeah, we we because it's just different. Um, the but the way I liken it is that when a flower blooms in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't doesn't look around itself and go, "Hey, look at me, <laughs> admire me." <laughs> uh, come on, where are y'all? Come on, I'm right here. <laughs> no, it. it it's it it comes into being it it it's birthed from the soil has its own its own lifespan it produces its blooms it serves its purpose and then it withers and goes into dormancy and prepares for its next cyclical season or you know and it never it never demands attention it just it just does what it does and as an artist, you you cre- you create. It's just what you do, and you don't need the attention to to make your art valid, or to make it beautiful, or to make it um, really out of this world. I mean, I've heard some amazing music that um, you know, one or two likes or whatever on their socials, uh-huh. and. Uh, just remarkable stuff and the the level of popularity or the level of acceptance is irrelevant irrelevant to me Mm -hmm. 
So, yep. so my comments about your music totally genuine, authentic. It's it's I I mean it. <laughs> you make really good music, and never let the never let the temptation sink in about numbers and and using that as a metric for um, validating what you do. I think the fact that you're making music to please you and to make um, make music that is authentic, authentically and your expression, uh, that's mm-hmm. great. Keep it. It's innocent. I love it. Don't don't let it get don't let it get destroyed. <laughs> don't let it get tainted by the rest of the, what the world is doing. Please, <laughs> it is innocent in a way. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, uh, but there's also this this uh, paradoxic feel. I cannot think of a better word to describe it. That once it's out there, you you want to see what people think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. And so you go, you go in a, in a way to to promote the, this music, and then it becomes a product, doesn't it? But it you, you don't want to treat it like a product. Yeah. I don't want to people to think, oh, here's my new album. It is out now. Go stream it or whatever. I just want that to genuinely, you know, this is what I made. I I think you might enjoy it. Give it a listen if you if you want. And that's it. Yeah. Um, and I, I can sound as, as as less of a salesperson as I can yeah. when 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 I when I show people um, uh, the music. Uh, I feel like this is this is a very frustrating paradox because you know you you come from a headspace that I'm I'm just going to create this and whoever likes it that's their own business you yeah. know. But then if it's out there, and no one knows about it. Is is it art? Is it art really? If nobody hears it. I, I don't know. It's it's a question that um, it's, it's a paradox in a way, you know. Yeah. And there's certainly there's certainly people and musicians who create music, but they never release it. They just create it to make themselves feel better. And I I found about that very recently um, that there are people out there that do this, mm-hmm. and I, it was crazy and a very new concept to me that there are, you know you can create something and then never show anyone yeah. but you created it and it made you feel good and it served its purpose to yeah. make you feel good mm-hmm. but wow that, that seemed incredibly insane to me <laughs> it does it does feel that way but it's there's something beautiful about a piece of art that you know that no one else is going to see there's something because it's just it's like you are in on a secret corner of the universe <laughs> you know yeah um, it felt that way when I was creating the the album, and no one, absolutely no one, but myself knew about it. Yeah. You know, not even my close friends or family or whatever. It was just me. It it, it was certainly a magical kind of unique feeling um, that you, you you can never get back because then you have to share it with people. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's <laughs> there's an interesting parallel here. So I I'm a dad. I have two kids, and there's like my son he's in competitive soccer so he's um yeah we've gone down that route and and i find myself in the temptation of wanting to inject myself into his ambitions (laughs) as a parent you know and wanting to see him succeed and wanting him to be accepted and all of these things that are entirely out of my control and i'm seeing the exact same thing in the way that we treat our music we want 
it to do well. We want it to be successful. We want it to be heard and all the things. But all of that is entirely out of our control. And the only thing we can do is nurture what we've created and then let it go. Mm-hmm. Quite simply. Yeah. That's where I, I agree. Find, I totally agree with yeah, that. That's where I find myself anyway. Well, my friend, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation so much and I it's always a delight to talk with people who are at various stages stages in their musical evolution and it's I I think you're I'm really excited to see what you come up with and thank you so much for your time. No, thank you very much Michael. I, I you know, I had never expected to go on on such a you know, a good podcast on on this type of music very early. And, you know, uh, I'm grateful that you've offered me the opportunity this early in in my journey with this project. Well, that was a great conversation. My thanks to Edia for the conversation, for his time, and, of course, for sending the music along uh, my way. You can find more music out at Bandcamp at ediacollective.bandcamp.com. Etia is spelled A-I-T-I-A, collective.bandcamp.com. At the time of this interview, Etia has not yet put his music out on bandcamp.com, but his URL is reserved, so be patient, and his music should be available out there real soon. You can also hear Edia on the Stolas Relay Station, episode 4.6, which you can find out at stolas.com slash relay station. Thank you so much, my friends, for tuning in to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. Until next time, keep creating, my friends. 